Hey guys, it's Mark here from the ETF Tracker show presented by ETF Tracker and it is week number 12. So we've been doing 12 weeks of Exchange Traded Fridays and wrapping up what's been happening in the markets across Australia and also overseas as it pertains to ETFs. So we are strictly, you know, focused on mostly those ETFs or ETF related stories, although there are sometimes other things that have an effect on the ETF markets that are a bit more from uh, mainstream in terms of the overall kind of capital markets. But anyway, it's a big one this week because we've actually made a little bit of a change and we are now presenting the Exchange Traded Fridays in a different format. So before, if we take it even back to last week, we were actually just doing a newsletter and that was going out in an email. And that email, you had to be a subscriber. We've been growing the subscriber list. So we're at about uh, 500, close to 500 subscribers. Still a long way to go to get to, you know, where others are, but we've got 500 people that are really interested in ETFs and hopefully finding value out of the newsletter as well as the insights off the website and the apps as well, the free apps that are out there, ETF Tracker and all that. But the thing is, is if we just keep it as something for those that are getting the emails, well, the other people out there that may not have signed up, they don't get to actually see all of the previous newsletters and the insights and the value from that. So what we've done is, well, actually, let me show you. So I'm gonna to go to my screen here and I'm gonna show you guys. So if you are listening in, what we have done is we've got a blog section for Exchange Traded Fridays. And as I scroll through the blog, we go all the way back to issue number one, and that was on the 23rd of July, which seems like a lifetime ago, but here we are now. So uh, it is the 8th of October by the time you are watching this. I pre-recorded on the 7th. So um, it is the, the one that we're gonna go through is a preview of what's gonna go out tomorrow morning, but it is, as I said, now going out directly on the blog. People that are subscribed to the newsletters or to, to the website will still get emails. They'll still get an email each week. It's just gonna be more than just the newsletter. So what you're gonna get is, here's a link to the newsletter. Here's some highlights from it, short, sharp, quick, as well as some other things that are going on. So the interviews with experts this week, we had, uh, who did we have? We had Emily O'Neill, sorry, I was thinking, I've got so many other interviews that are lined up and, and others to record or whatever, but um, we had Emily O'Neill from eInvest talking about active ETFs and ESG more importantly. So that was a great one. So you'll get stuff like that in the email. So please do continue to sign up for those. Please do like, share and subscribe this video or if you're listening on Spotify, you know, tell your friends about all this stuff because we just want to spread the word about what is going on. And hopefully whether it's video, it's the newsletter that you see in this blog, or it's just listening in either way, hopefully you find some value out of that. So, uh, we have here, as I was going through the examples, this is last week's one. So we had different articles from local global. We had videos, videos that we appeared in cause we're doing the ETF analysis series podcast from around Australia and also globally and tweets of the week, all that fun stuff, but there's a whole list of that. So check that out in the blog. All right. So let's get to what is going on now. So you can see here that I am in the draft section. So the, the site is built on Wix. If you didn't already know, uh, I just find it easy to use. And yeah, it's just something that uh, is nice to be able to create the blog in. Um, but I will go to a preview mode. You can see there's people on the website at the moment. So about 10 people 
or clicking away and hopefully reading something interesting here. So in this week's newsletter for the 5th of October, the highlights were that we saw a new ETF launch from ETF Securities. And that was actually today, which is Thursday when we're recording it. So that's a hydrogen thematic one, H-G-E-N. And we also saw more about market makers. We had a market maker on the show in week five of the interviews with experts. And uh, that was Nine Mile Financial. And this is an article with Nine Mile Financial talking to Russell Investments, who are one of the ETF providers on the market here. So they talk more about market making. And then we saw uh, more in the global space on Bitcoin ETFs, as well as a run through of active ETFs and exposure to China for US equity ETFs. And that's on the global side of things. So in the newsletter, we continue, even though it's in the blog. So it's a little bit different format. It is still the same content. And that is the local articles, global ETF videos, ETF podcasts, tweet of the week, chart of the week, ETF education, ETF tracker app links, the forum, and where to listen and watch for all this stuff. But if you're already doing this, then, you know, you, you're already, you're already on board. So that's fine. But some people might be just reading it from the uh, blog and they don't know about the, the read through of this that we do on Spotify and YouTube. So hopefully that's okay. Uh, and hopefully you can hear me, you know, okay, the asthma is kind of kicking up, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make do. So the first one is ETF strategy, and this is from that company. Um, so ETF strategy, they've got a news publication. They talk about the ETF securities launch of the first hydrogen ETF. And in this article, so we'll take a look at that one that just came out. I think it was yesterday or today. No, it was yesterday and they talk about the launch. 0.69% uh, is the expense ratio. And so that's for that uh, ETF in particular. It tracks the sole active global hydrogen ESG index. And I know a few people have been, because there's not much history of this ETF. So when there's not much history, you've got other two things. If it's a passive ETF, it's going to have to track a benchmark. So there's usually... No doubt, I would imagine that there wouldn't ever be a case where this is not the case, but there's usually an index that it is tracking and that index has a history and that history is something you can look up and you can see the performance and what that's been like. And past performance is definitely no indicator of future returns. However, it does give you an idea of where things have been. And so uh, that one is the benchmark. And if it was an active one, Active usually means it was a fund before that. And you can look up the website of the company and see if there's details about how that fund has performed over time. So those are good ways to judge when ETFs are just new. But over time, as we get the data from the ASX and CHIX, we'll be able to see some more information there. So that's about that one there. Um, it's got some other details here. There's uh, 30 stocks that it covers. The stocks are from the US, UK, South Korea. And those ones dominate the index at 26%, 22%, and 18% respectively. And then it's Canada after that. So I heard in an interview that uh, Kanish Chug from ETF Securities was saying that there's no Australian names in this, but it is global mandate. So when there is an Australian company that does fit the hydrogen type play and being in that top 30 as is required, then you're going to see that in there. So that's definitely something to look at. There's an video here from ETF Securities, which uh, is a bit of an animation with some words and music to it, which describes what's in that one. So that's a good one to look at as well. It's only one minute. So, you know, check it out. If, you've, if you haven't got one minute to spare, I, I don't know. I can't help you. <laughs> um, 
Next one, Russell Investments, ETF market making and how and when to trade ETFs efficiently. So let's take a look at this one. And just while that loading, I did mention here that I'll probably put the video as well, um, that we did an interview with Kevin Fierick from uh, Nine Mile Financial, and they're one of the market makers here on the ASX, and they provide liquidity to ETFs. And ETFs are so easily traded back and forth because of market makers. And it's very important because one of the other things is that with ETFs, they're unique because there's this facility called creation and redemption. And the guys go through it here. So what they go through is market makers and authorized participants. Um, they, they talk about in this case, some of the Russell Investment Equity ETFs, RDV and RARI, RARI. And so what they've got here is the different um, market makers and authorized participants and what that is all about. So when investors buy and sell on the ASX, just like they do individual shares, for the ETF market to operate efficiently, they rely on market makers and APs authorized participants, okay? Investment banks and specialist trading firms fill this role. And in Australia, it remains a relatively concentrated list of firms. MMs, market makers, are contractually obligated to show bid and offer prices in a particular ETF throughout the day, whereas APs can be active in an ETF whenever they choose. And so they list all of the different uh, market makers and APs for IDB and RARI, RARI, and the ASX trading session, what this means for trading ETFs. So what they're saying here is that despite the ETF market normally operating efficiently, Australia is not without its quirks. So the ASX has a staggered open. So if you didn't already know that, there you go. Uh, staggered open from 10 a.m. where stocks fall into one of five alphabetical opening groups. So if you didn't know that, you might be surprised that, yeah, the, the market opens here staggered at that 10 o'clock open in alphabetical order. So there are groups like Tesla, sorry, Telstra, not Tesla, Telstra that um, open up later than say Afterpay because of the alphabetical, alphabetical order. And this has implications for ETFs. They cannot be priced accurately until all stocks in an ETF index have started trading. So hence, it's sensible to wait until 10.20 to 10.30 before trading ETFs, by which time, all Australian stocks are well into their trading day. And as a result, ETF prices from the market makers and the APs will have their tightest bid offer spreads because with the spreads, and we talk about this because we've got data there for um, all of the you know Australian listed ETFs. If the spreads are wide, then that's gonna mean that it is harder for bidders and um, offers, bids and offers to, to kind of come together, that bid and ask, right? The sellers and the buyers, it's gonna be very hard for them to come together to agree to a price. When that's small, it's very easy, right? You will be able to get your orders executed. But if you're trading at that early point in time when the market's still waiting for some of these stocks to list and the ETF, you know, there's more, the ETF can't really start, you know, trading until 10, 20, 10, 30 after around then, you're gonna be seeing potential movements that you just have no control over. You put in an order, and if that gets, yeah, it's it's just gonna be crazy for you. So definitely worth reading this article. They go through more in terms of the life of a market maker. What does Nine Mile Financial do and how does it decide on the prices, etc. We spoke about some of this stuff with Kevin over the interview that we did a couple of weeks ago. So check that one out as well. 
And the next one is the weekly report. And so that is from ETF Securities. So a couple of things from them this week. So you can download the ETF monitor. So we'll take a look at that one. And if we zoom in, not too much, uh, there we go. So in terms of the week ending Friday, October 1, <clears throat> the best performer was short. It was SNAS. So that's the leverage short play from ETF Securities. It is short the NASDAQ 100. So because the markets were down, that was up one point, sorry, that was up 8.6%. And on the other side, because the markets were down, then the long NASDAQ LNAS was down 8.4%. Uh, after that, it was BBOZ and BBUS. So those are also bear and bearish kind of funds. So one is BBOZ focused on Australia, BBUS focused on the US. Then there was the global energy companies hedged ETF fuel that was up 4.2%. And then uh, China uh, in terms of the Vanek vectors, China 850. So the top 50 stocks on the A shares in China, uh, that's CETF, that was up nearly 4% after a bounce back. So, you know, the Chinese play has not been doing so well. And that's on the week in terms of year to date, it is uh, OOO, the crude oil index from beta shares. And that's the one that is up 56%. And there's the leader so far in terms of total returns. So total returns is not just the price, it takes into account dividends as well. And then we've got flows here too. And the top flows were into the high interest cash ETF from beta shares. And then after that, it was FAIR. So the sustainability leaders ETF, as well as NDQ and then EFI. Okay, so that's one week flows. And then there's more here. There's also trading volumes as well. So you can take a look at that one. So that is where you can get an up-to-date wrap-up of what's gone on. Uh, the monthly data that we get from the ASX and CHI-X. So the ASX will likely come out with it tomorrow and we'll have the numbers crunched hopefully tomorrow at some point during the day or over the weekend and we'll update that and the numbers will go out. Um, you know, you can access the app whenever you want after that, but then we'll wait a little bit, a couple of more days for the CHI-X numbers to come through. And that paints a picture for what's going on in September. Then after that, we've only got three months left. So we're at 125 billion. We might get to 130 billion by, uh, for, for September in terms of funds under management. And with three months to go, it's safe to say if it continues at the pace that it has been, you know, getting 125 to 130, that's the, that's the pace that it has been on for the last couple of months around that 5 billion, 4 billion mark. If that continues, we'll get to over 140 billion. So, you know, it's interesting because last year we were talking about when is it that the market is going to get to over a hundred billion. That was the threshold. That was the mark. And then we had a few active ETFs list that were previously unlisted kind of funds. And so they bring their thumb with them. And so that was uh, a way to kind of prop up and get us to over that hundred billion dollar mark. But even without those, the ASX is over that hundred billion already. So yeah, it's, it's really grown in, in leaps and bounds. That's for sure. Now we get to the global articles and the first one is from the Financial Times and it's uh, talking about up to a quarter of US equity ETF revenues are derived from China. So from the home of the ETF hub. So if you haven't gone to the Financial Times, you should sign up and you know pay to become a member. But 
Um, I have been a member, but just haven't been uh, paying. So there's only limited articles I can see, but luckily I can still see some stuff there and you can definitely still sign up and you can see the ETF hub there. So they've got some great information. And what they saw was an analysis by Bank of America showing that the correlation between EPS, which is earnings per share in the S&P 500 and the Chinese economic growth went from nothing, so uncorrelated, to 90%. So that made it a more important contributor to US equity earnings per share than even US GDP is because there's so much... Uh, involvement with what's going on in China and the economy over there. So this is what this study is looking at. And so it identifies some other stats that, for example, um, there's 303 companies globally, not just the US, but 303 globally that have a market cap greater than $9 trillion. So these are major, major organizations. And those organizations, they derive at least, at least 5% revenue from China. So that's interesting there because if there's more turmoil, that could affect uh, global kind of goings on with company supply chains, profits, their whole kind of way of doing business. Yes, it's 5%, but when you're at that size, that can be quite large. Uh, so China Evergrande, you know, has been something that's been in the news recently. There's another company that's just come out that is being talked about as potentially having contagion. I think it was Fairchild Homes or something like that. I'll have to look it up, but that was a bit in the news as well. So yeah, it's worth having a look at here. So we'll go to the article right now. Okay. And what we can see here is they have, uh, so there's a bit of text here as there always is with articles. I'm just trying to, I always look at these and I try to find the numbers because I don't want to read necessary word for word what's going on in here. And I don't necessarily mark down with a bookmark um, what is here, but they've got a chart here, for example, that shows the iShares Miski Emerging Markets X China ETF, which is EMXC versus the China, um, sorry, versus the iShares Miski China ETF, so MCHI. So it's basically emerging markets without China and then a China-based ETF, okay, both from iShares. And it shows that they had been tracking along quite well up until Q1 2021. And then in Q2 and beyond, it started to see a divergence there. So it talks about um, that B of A, so Bank of America, found that 79 S&P 500 companies, so the biggest 500 companies in the US, that's an index and some, you know, you trade that through IVV or some other kind of uh, ETFs here in Australia. It's great that we get exposure to that. 79 of them generate at least 5% of their revenues from China, a figure that rises to 63% for casino operator Las Vegas Sands and 70% for rival Wynn Resorts, both heavily focused on the Macau gaming market. So a little bit more about that. And there's more. So the article found that 138 of the 251 ETFs that the bank covers, that being Bank of America, generated at least 3% of their underlying revenue from China. And then apart from China-focused funds, emerging market ETFs were the most exposed with their constituents, typically deriving between 25 and 45% of their revenues from the country. So if you were worried about uh, ETFs or instruments or uh, companies that have something going on with China, it's worth looking under the hood, even if it means, you know, for like we, we've got holdings, ETFs have holdings, you can take a look at that. And we've seen which holdings have what exposure. And I did something a couple of weeks back looking for Evergrande exposure. And there's not much 
on the 180 ETFs that we've got, right? There might be some in the 60 other that we don't have on the ASX and TriX, but, you know, worth a look at there. So you can still look at other things, like you can look at company reports and see if there is, you know, revenue being derived from there. So I was just working on another report in the media space where we were looking at uh, across different major media organizations, what is the, the, the share of revenue globally and how much is out of Asia versus emerging markets and Europe and the US, et cetera. So it's worth a look at that. You can definitely get that kind of stuff if you are worried about any of your holdings. If it's ETFs, we can help you out. But if it's, you know, individual holdings, then um, you can pay for a Bloomberg or Morningstar or one of those other subscriptions, or you can, you know, do some legwork and, and look under the hood there. But that one's worthwhile. They've also got an uh, image here, which shows that, Exposure to China has damaged performance since the COVID lows, and it's a bar chart and the title as well. Uh, the subtitle is Divergence in Performance of ETS with High versus Low China Revenue Exposure in Terms of Percentage Points. So um, basically ETFs that uh, have high versus low exposure, um, what does that kind of look like? And they've got consumer discretionary is the top one here versus ESG coming in second. Then emerging markets, semiconductors, Europe has exposure, developed markets, ex-US. After that's technology and then Japan and then high dividend. So that if you're in high dividend, there's not as much uh, exposure there. So that's worth a look at too. And then the other couple of articles. So we've got this one from Bloomberg, a couple from Bloomberg actually. So this one is Loomis Sales teams up with State Street for a rare ETF foray. And so they say here in this article, it describes the new team up between Lumisales and State Street's Spider ETF brand to create the opportunistic bond ETF, OBND. And so this is traded globally. It's not on the ASX or CHI-X. So if you look that up, it does have to be on one of those exchanges uh, elsewhere. So maybe through eToro, maybe you can get it through Stake uh, or one of those apps, whether you you know, you're know you here and you need to get that exposure and, and ComSec and the major banks and stuff. So definitely worth a look at, but it's interesting because it's interesting. We spoke about this a couple of, uh, well, I was gonna say a couple of episodes ago, um, issue 10 of Exchange Traded Fridays. And now that we've got the blog up, it's not like, hey, dig through your newsletter to get this, but you can see it directly on the blog. And I provide a link to that one there because here in Australia, they also listed their Loomis Sales Global Equity uh, ETF. And so Loomis Sales have been expanding. Okay. So they, you know, in the news for this bond one, in the news a couple of weeks ago for the equity one. And so worth a look at too. Coin Telegraph, and we featured these guys before when we were talking about Bitcoin type ETFs. And this is just a short one, but it's basically saying that uh, future based Bitcoin ETFs have a 75% chance of approval in October, according to analysts. And in this case, it's an analyst from Bloomberg, so Eric Balchunas, and we featured some of his quotes in recent uh, periods. So basically, he's talking about it's likely on schedule for a Bitcoin ETF to list, but it's going to be a Bitcoin futures ETF. And it's worth looking at it. Maybe we'll include it in the education, looking at the difference between just buying equities and what futures are as part of that. It has a very interesting kind of history back to agriculture and being able to set a certain price in the future as to, you know, what you think, you know, the price is going to go above or below. So you buy or you sell futures and you can hedge against the risk of the price moving far away from what you think you can sell or buy your product for. But I think it, I'm pretty damn sure that it started from agriculture and commodities and stuff like that. And then it's eventually gone out into other spaces there, but Bitcoin being a type of commodity 
okay, as well as a currency or however you want to define it, but being a type of commodity, having a Bitcoin's futures, anytime you think of futures, it's there to hedge against risk, right? So Bitcoin itself being so volatile, initially, and we've been tracking this, we've been seeing this for the last 12 weeks and even before we were writing the newsletter, but we were seeing that it was all Bitcoin ETF, Bitcoin ETF and more listing and different styles. But then eventually it seemed like there was more favorability a couple of weeks ago, only very recently from Gary Gensler and the guys over at the SEC, more favorability towards an, a futures-based Bitcoin ETF. And because of that, we saw the next week and week after more Bitcoin futures ETFs listing. And now it seems like, according to this article, that it's more likely that the Bitcoin futures one is going to list first. And if that's the case, then maybe there isn't a need for a Bitcoin ETF on its own, okay? But at least you can get exposure to Bitcoin futures there by that ETF. If you want to look all of this up, you know, you can look up the article here and you can, uh, you know, what I do sometimes, and especially like the, there's always going to be stuff that we are learning here at ETF Track. And even though I've been working in the markets, ETFs have only been something fairly new for what I've been looking at, right? But you can always just Google some of these terms that you you don't uh, understand or you want to learn more about. So worth a look at. And we do have a dictionary, an ETF dictionary that describes and we'll continually see add to that on ETF Tracker and it's in the blog somewhere. So I'll make that a bit more prominent. The next one is from FI News on active ETFs, a guide for investors. And in this guide, they go through the details about active ETFs and the advantages, but also disadvantages of them. And there's details about the market as a whole, which shows that 345 billion in active ETFs globally as of July, 2021. And that's up from only 110 billion in July, 2018 and 72 billion in July, 2016. So yeah, it's pretty interesting to see how far that has grown, but you can check that one out from FI News. Okay, now we're at that stage. We're at the videos section and it's all about the Ausbiz uh, videos here. And in this case, we've got three. So first of all, it is Kanishug talking about uh, the hydrogen ETF. And so the title is from Forrest to Wickram and uh, Yaki, why now is the time to launch a hydrogen ETF? And I know I botched that surname. I apologize uh, wholeheartedly. Um, so Shamara Wick, uh, is the CEO of Macquarie. So apologies. <laughs> um, but hydrogen is, is one of the mega trends, which just won't go away. So it's natural that investors are starting to care a little bit more. But will this trend start to fizzle uh, like some others have that have come before it? And Kanish talks about that. He argues that companies and governments are finally getting the memo. And this is the way of the future. To help supplement this view, the team has launched a brand new ETF, HGEN, hydrogen. And we spoke about that earlier. Fun fact, when ETF securities, and they've, they've got a few that they are looking to launch. So they did semi, HGEN was the one from today, hydrogen. They've got a FinTech one. So if you look up all these new ETFs, there's a link there to a presentation where there's some of these other ETFs. But yeah, FinTech is something that I don't know if they've got approval for it yet, but it is on the, the plan. So it's good that they're being transparent with that kind of stuff. Now, the semi ETF for semiconductors, right? When that listed as a passive tracking, and it's probably another sole active ET, uh, index that it tracks, that was the biggest one day of inflows for an ETF that is passively tracked. That was $5 million worth of inflows. And that was just on the first day. So when we get the data out in a couple, well, hopefully tomorrow from the ASX, we're gonna see just how big that was for the whole period, okay? 
And um, actually, you can probably see that on, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to make those top 10 lists there for uh, the ETF securities report, but it might even be in there. So you can even get a heads up before I do. Okay, so <laughs> worth a look at there. So that's um, that Osby's one. The next one is... Uh, is Bitcoin about to decouple from the rest of the crypto market? And in this episode from Ausbiz, they speak to Stephen Cole from Trammel Investment Partners, discusses the potential for a Bitcoin ETF in the US. So again, he also discusses um, the treatment from the SEC and how this cycle could be the beginning of that change led by ETF approval increased corporate treasury adoption. So the, the arguments for, like I saw something a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned this in the newsletter, but um, there was... There's been all of this talk about Bitcoin ETFs, Bitcoin ETFs, and, and why it's going to be really good. And then someone uh, proposed a counter argument that basically says that if investors want to get Bitcoin exposure, they will just do that through Binance or Coinbase or one of the many other, even eToro, you can get Bitcoin exposure. You can buy Bitcoin um, in, not whole Bitcoin, but you can buy uh, portions of that. I've just lost the word there, but um, you can definitely get exposure to that as a retail investor. But the counter is that, well, look, um, having Bitcoin ETFs in whatever shape or form that there is and having it something that is on a regulated market, I know Bitcoin deregulated and this is regulated, it's kind of counter um, to each other. It's a bit of an oxymoron, but having it regulated means that it's going to be easier for institutional investments. So think of your superannuation, for example, professionals, wealth advisors, all that kind of stuff. They'll be able to allocate a proportion of their cash, their budget right, to that kind of exposure. And that's going to mean very interesting things for Bitcoin as a whole. So yeah, there's there's definitely both sides of the argument, but it does seem like there's a whole lot of momentum going towards the fact that there will be a Bitcoin ETF listing at some point in time and also here in Australia. So uh, worth, worth a look at there. Uh, the last one is China's pain is Japan and India's gain. And in this episode on Ausbiz, Cameron Gleason from BetaShares goes through ETFs, focus on India and Japan when it comes to the issues being faced in China. So worth a look at there for these ones. If you haven't signed up to Ausbiz, make sure you do, because when you do sign up, you get to track experts uh, like me and others, and you get to track different types of themes that you might be interested in in different markets. And you can even go as far as tracking the individual types of securities. You can type in, if you're interested in Macquarie or Afterpay, if it's been mentioned in the show, anytime that it does get mentioned again, you get a notification for it. So why wouldn't you do this? And it's free, right? So as an investor, this is such a great source of information. You should definitely check it out. Not paid by them, okay? So we go on there where, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a kind of uh, revenue arrangement or anything on our end. Like we promote it because unless the you know cnbc or bloomberg this is like the aussie version of that and there's also other ones that are out there that are doing their own kind of um individual kind of news and stuff on youtube and investing on on all that kind of stuff so definitely worth a look at there but this is a good thing to supplement it because you've got professionals from industry telling you about what's going on and you've got people like me talking to you about the data okay so worth a look podcasts we're up to that one so etf edge by cnbc how to play commodities it's a short segment so it's only nine minutes here which is much shorter than the usual 40 50 minute ones but it goes through how to play the global commodity surge and then another one a special one here is from the alpha females invest so that's on stockbroking the benefits of a broker and in this episode the team chat with julian hewitt 
who is from Bell Potter Securities. And he goes all about, he goes through all about the value that a broker can provide from portfolio management to, to diversification and stock selection. Now, this is an important one if you are contemplating anything active, whether it is ETFs or putting money with a fund manager, what is it that you get out of having that active management as opposed to you know passive or doing it yourself? So worth a look at there, that's 34 minutes. And you're in good company. This is a deep dive into ETFs and uh, you're in good company. They talk with the long way. So before I do uh, get into that one, uh, the alpha females, there's Emily uh, there from uh, E-Invest and we speak to her as well. So um, worth a look at there. So Emily's show was on this week. So check that one out. You're in good company, deep dive into ETFs. Um, so the long way that is Jess Lung from BetaShares and she's got a podcast, not podcast, sorry, she is on this podcast because she's got an Instagram and TikTok kind of following with her daily dabble and various other things teaching the market about ETFs. And hint, hint, we are featuring her on the show in a couple of weeks as well. So look out for that one. Next week, we've got someone else, another special person, all special guests, of course, and these are experts from the ETF markets that uh, are from different parts of the markets that can really paint a really cool picture about what is going on overall. But anyways, in this episode, the crew chat with Jess. She's a portfolio manager as well as a social media star with her Instagram and TikTok, The Long Way. They talk about all things ETF, so check that one out. And then the tweet of the week. Tweet of the week is from Mike Akins at ETF Action, taking a look at other ways to get Bitcoin exposure via the blockchain-related ETFs. And so uh, in this one, when we go to that uh, that tweet, tweet, uh, he's got a couple of images here and uh, the image that we featured is just the list of the various blockchain ETFs. So whilst you don't get the Bitcoin exposure just yet, the direct Bitcoin exposure, it's going for that, you know, you can either buy the gold or the diggers and the, the people that deal in the equipment, right? So that's what this is. So getting into the miners, okay? And what you can do through that is that they're gonna be exposed directly because their revenues are derived from if Bitcoin's doing well or not, they've got that direct kind of connection. So this is indirectly giving you access to Bitcoin, okay? So worth a look at there. Chart of the week time. Chart of the week, we take a look at one of the things that uh, we've got as a feature on ETF Tracker, which is the Google Finance page where we've grouped basically whether it's technology, it's Asia, it's European, it's other, like it's healthcare, property, and all sorts of like, and even commodity, oh, we said commodity, uh, all of the, these different types of groupings. Instead of you having to figure out like what some of the groups are, we've done a lot of the hard yards for you. And so we've grouped some of those. And the reason we've grouped them is because you can have a link that directly takes you to Google Finance so you can see how that group is performing rather than having to type and drag and drop and do all that kind of stuff yourself. You can just do it with a click of a button, but you have to get to ETF Tracker's page first. So we include that here. This is the Google Finance page on ETF Tracker. We take a look at uh, the factor-based ETFs. And in that, uh, we've got two groups because they only allow you on Google Finance to look at no more than five at a time. And so we've included Qual, WDMF, QHAL, QLTY, and EMKT. And all of those are global focus. There's a couple of quality ones on there. The last one is an emerging markets focus one, and that is a multi-factor model. Okay, and you can see that that emerging markets one along with um, 
uh, I can't remember which the iShares one was. I think it was WDMF. Um, other ones that are not doing uh, so well compared to the others. But uh, the Van Eck Qual one, which is spoken about a lot on the forums, that is doing the best out of the bunch. And we're only looking back over six months. But if you click on the link here, it'll take you to the Google Finance page. You can select from the menu that we've got an ETF tracker. So we'll click on, uh, I think it was factor base. So we'll click on the factor base one. That'll take us down to, it should take us down. Oh, you know what? Because we're in preview mode, um, I think it doesn't directly go down, but that's okay. Uh, we'll scroll down to that one. Uh, and yeah, so it, it works on the main site, but when it is in this preview mode, it does just goes funny a little bit, but anyways, you've got two groups here and we are looking at group number one. And when you click on it, it takes you directly to the Google finance page where all of these things are just preset and we can change it to year to date or over one year or five years or what's the maximum period of time that you can track. And you can see that some of these ETFs are longer dated than others. Uh, they started say back, you know, pre 2016. So 2014 is the first one there. And that is the Van Eck uh, Qual ETF and others started later in um, 2016, 17, 18 and more recently. Okay, so worth a look at there and you can search for other groups. You can even, you know, do your own and you can use what we've started with and just create your own kinds of comparisons there. Definitely worth checking out. Further ETF education and this one is uh, all about market making because we've been talking about that kind of stuff. Um, Vanguard has a good page on it. So if you're interested, you can read the Russell article up above, or you can look at this one from the Vanguard ETF Knowledge Center. And they talk about the primary and secondary markets. There's a graphic here as well. It's just a short one, but short article, I mean, but yeah, it's worth a look at there for the education side of things. And yeah, if you want to access the ETF tracker app, we've got a link here. You can go to the forum and ask questions in the forum. We've got a section there where in the portfolio and uh, ETF analysis area, people have been asking for um, through various, like either they're messaging me on Facebook because I, um, uh, I do a lot of things in the various kind of groups that are out there. So people will message through that or on Reddit or through Instagram and they'll be asking for different types of ETFs to be covered, different types of analysis. So I was doing one a day and I've kind of slowed the pace a little bit. I did a couple at the start of this week and over the weekend, but I will pick it up again over this weekend and try to play catch up there. So if you haven't had your ETF review just yet, please be patient. It will, it, it is coming. So there's a list and I'm trying to, you know, have that list so we can keep accountability and all that kind of funky stuff. So yeah, that is it. So let's go back. Hey, okay. So we are doing the new you know, style of these uh, ETF exchange traded Fridays weekly newsletters. So hopefully you really like this new format where you can see not just the latest articles, uh, the latest newsletter that's come out that comes out Friday, 7.30 a.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. So if you're overseas, it is on our time here because that's when, you know, I'm, I'm up and around and most people that are, are looking at this are around. So it is out then. You can also now, like I said, go to the back catalogs. Don't have to dig through your emails anymore. And if you're new to this, you can jump on and just go straight through the back catalog, binge watch it. Or maybe you just want to watch Squid Game. I don't know. You know, both, both are just as good, but um, that is it. So if you are interested in anything here in particular, please shout out, give us a message. It's marketetftracker.com.au. Go to www.etftracker.com.au and sign up. 
because you will get, uh, well, the newsletter is all there for everyone and that's available, but we will add more exclusive features for those that sign up. So yeah, check it out. Please do like, share and subscribe. I will see you soon. Have a great weekend. And Monday is reopening day in Sydney. So happy Freedom Day. If you're in other states, uh, it is coming soon, I hope. Okay, so we are feeling for you over here. But yeah, Sydney reopening day. Looking forward to it. Have a good weekend.